Subscribe with iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. And if you enjoy what you hear, like us on Facebook. Also, consider throwing a little cash our way by visiting patreon.com slash koreafm. And find more of our great content on our home on the web, koreafm.net. I'm Chan Storland, and welcome to the Korea Blog Podcast, brought to you by KoreaFM.net, an online radio station featuring a 24-7 stream of independent musicians, as well as original podcast content from the Korean Peninsula. This is, of course, one of uh, KoreaFM's newer podcasts, and I'm joined each episode by Colin Marshall, a soul-based essayist, broadcaster, and public speaker who writes each week on the literature, cinema, current events, and daily life in South Korea for the Los Angeles Review of Books, Korea blog. So Colin, you know, of course, great to be speaking with you again. Um, the last time we saw each other, um, recently actually, um, this was for our first live podcast. This was for uh, Barry Welsh's Soul Book and Culture Club. But uh, now it's summer, of course, and uh, it's really hot. <laughs> so how are you doing? Doing well. It's not, you know, the humidity numbers are high, but it's actually not that bad outside. And we should remind listeners, whether they're in Seoul here or anywhere, that they can download that uh, that evening we spent together as a podcast on stage, can they not? Yes. Uh, oh, God, yeah. You're such a better promoter than me. Um, yeah, it's one of our recent episodes and uh, got quite a lot of downloads. But, uh, of course, back to the topic at hand. Recently, you posted something new on the Korea blog called Korea where book podcasts draw standing room only crowds. Podcasting is uh, obviously something we're both interested in, <laughs> as you might be able to tell. And uh, you are specifically, you know, super into books. So I wanted to make sure we were able to talk about this topic, kind of combining podcasts and books, if you will. So uh, first off, what is this book podcast that uh, packs the house for its live recordings? And uh, who is the star at its helm? Yeah, it's a book podcast called Idongjin's Palgan Chekbang, which means Idongjin's Red Book Room. Uh, and Idongjin is the name of the host, who is, I'll talk a little bit more about him later, but he is a cultural figure here in Korea. He does a lot of different things. Uh, as a critic, mostly, I think you'd call him. And he hosts this podcast, Palgan Chekbang, and it's been running since 2012, I believe. And I don't know if it's been recording live before an audience the whole time, but it has been for quite some time now. It's a, it's a podcast you can, of course, listen to on your iPod or your phone or whatever device you want, whenever you want to, but these live tapings happen every couple of weeks. It's a weekly podcast, but every two weeks he announces on his Facebook page he's going to do a live taping, and he does two episodes back-to-back, and it's a different... It's not a different day of the week every time, but he, when he announces it, he tells you what's day, what day it's going to be. Often it's a Friday. But they record in this studio they've built in Hapjong, which is actually the third floor of a cafe called Idongjin's uh, Palgan Chek Dabang, which means Idongjin's Red Book Cafe. And I use the word Dabang there because the name uses it. But Dabang, if you heard the episode we talked about coffee culture in Korea a few months ago, Dabang is the name of, of the old-style coffee shops, the old cafes, the places you would... And the stuff that I drink every day. I love Dabang coffee. <laughs> yes, the Dabang coffee. Now, I'm pretty sure you... I, you know, I don't know whether you can get a genuine, rigorous, like, with the sweetener and with the right mixture, Dabang coffee. Well, let, let, me, yeah, let me explain. So I, I go to Bakes. It's this very cheap coffee shop that uh, a lot of the time it's only a, like a stand, but you actually can't sit down. And now they're having more locations where you can actually sit down. They used to call it Dabang coffee, Yate Dabang, but now it's just Wonjo. 
coffee. Um, but it's the same flavor. So it's as close as you can get, uh, but they're plentiful throughout the city. So, you know, I'm not splitting hairs here. I, I enjoy whatever the bong-like coffee I can buy. Oh, you can definitely get it in Seoul for sure. I don't know whether you can get it at Idongjin's Palgan uh, Chektabang. They have a pretty wide menu of coffee, but the point isn't so much the coffee as that it's a book cafe. And this is a part of the coffee, or more, more so the cafe culture in Seoul, that's got very big. And I try to visit a new book cafe every week if I can. It's a good way to explore the city, but I just, I like them. Book cafes are full-fledged coffee shops where you can drink coffee, of course, hang out, read, of course. But you can get work done. I do a lot of writing in these. But book cafes also have a... Uh, they have a lot of books. Uh, they, they have shelves and shelves of books, usually, whether they're for sale or just to read there. They can vary cafe to cafe, but the, the different ones have different themes. I live near a book cafe, which is uh, themed, over, themed about the... Uh, which has the theme of the Japanese writer Haruki Murakami, so they have all his books there available. But the, uh, the Idongjine Palganchek Tabang, it's, it's a bookstore. It has books, sort of a selection curated by Idongjin himself. And then, as I, as I mentioned earlier, on the third floor, there's this recording studio where they record the podcast every two weeks. So, you know, you go in there, you buy your coffee, you find a seat if you can because it fills up quickly, and you sit there and through the studio window, it's just like a radio station. You look through the studio glass as you sit there drinking your coffee with the rest of the audience, and you watch and listen to this podcast being recorded. So it's a discussion about books. Uh, there's Idongjin. There are a few regular panelists. He brings on one each time. Sometimes there are guest, guest authors, but there's a different book each week, and there's various segments, different book recommendations. He talks about what books he's bought recently, reads a poem at the end every time. So it's it's sort of a, a book variety show, you might call it, but that's what happens there every two weeks in the cafe and every week on the podcast. And as you just mentioned, you also wrote up uh, in this um, piece for the LA Review of Books Korea blog, you got to get there early, really early, uh, the, the exact wording that you used. And not only is it becoming popular, uh, something I wanted to maybe have you expand a little bit more because this was attractive to me as well. You kind of say that this book cafe idea is a potential um, viable extension of the podcasting business model in South Korea. You kind of mentioned if you go there, it's like a radio station where you can see that people do radio, except for the fact there are no radio stations like that. It's, it's a great idea to have people watching you do a podcast or do radio, but you know, I work for radio stations here in Seoul. It, it doesn't happen. Um, I actually, when I was in the Peace Corps in Columbia, they had a radio station that was on a, a very popular street with these glass um, walls that you could just, you know, stand there and watch. And there are all these crowds. It's a great idea. Unfortunately, um, a lot of people haven't picked up on it. But you think this could be really good for either radio or podcasting? It seems to work in this instance. Uh, it's been done a little bit before, I believe. I don't know how much, but it's the concept has been tried in Korea before. I remember the um, the controversial political podcast, Nanun uh, Komsuda. I think that's what it's called. Uh, I, I'm a weasel, it translates to. They, they got in trouble for making fun of the government too much, but I believe they had a podcast cafe and may have been the first ones to give that concept a trial run where you build this cafe you run it like a regular coffee shop but you record a podcast and you sort of come one come all and it's it doesn't 
At least in the case of、uh, Palgancheckbang, they don't charge anything extra on top of the price of the coffee for admission. You just you get the coffee, you can go in, and then you you can watch for free. You pay the same as you would if you were just on any of the other floors there to study or there on any of the other days. But it is a fascinating business model, and I do wonder. I wonder how viable it is outside Korea because. This is why I wanted to write about this, and partially why I go to this podcast every couple weeks, because it's such a window into a few different threads of Korean culture all converging, all tying together. Because Korean book culture is really its own thing. It's、uh, we talked about the novel, The Vegetarian, the Booker Prize winner, before it won the Booker、uh, a few months back on this show. But the culture of of books and of、uh, Printing and of bookshops, and as I mentioned, book cafes is robust. As is just the regular coffee shop culture, which we devoted an episode to. As is this idea, the, the podcast culture, I guess you might call it, because it's something you're not going to be. It's something that the average Westerner in Korea might not, or just foreigner in Korea, it might not occur to them to to,、uh, to delve into. Maybe because they're not quite up to the to level of, the level of understanding where they could enjoy it. Although I do recommend Korean podcasts meant for Koreans as a language learning tool, but it's it's a big part of the culture. Podcasts are in a way that. Seems disproportionate to the size of the country. Podcasts are, of course, a big thing in America, but America is 300 million people. Everything is a thing in America to some extent. But here, you get、uh, podcasts have a kind of penetration that is surprising.、Uh, not many other countries this size seem to produce such a wide field of podcasts, and a lot of those seem to not a lot, but、uh, more than you would expect. Our book podcasts, and some are run by publishers.、Uh, this cafe is is publisher run、uh, that Lee Dongjin and the pod his podcast is is run by or it's sort of sponsored by this publisher Wisdom House. But there's other ones. Chang Bi does a podcast,、uh, Radio Check. It's、uh, Radio Check Dabang, so that's a little bit confusing. You can conflate those easily. I, I can't remember specifically if it was that、um, podcast that you just mentioned that in the past got in trouble for some of the things they said,、um, because there are very popular podcasts that come out of South Korea.、Um, probably you'd think more than would merit the 50 million or so people that live here,、um, but somewhere in like the iTunes top 100 list.、Um, Within the last couple of years, I think people have started to notice. I, I remember reading specifically there are a couple Korean podcasts that always are like in there that kind of people are scratching their head like, oh, there's a Korean podcast. It's in the iTunes top 100, and this is something that I just very briefly mentioned during our live podcast recently for the Soul Book and Culture Club. Korea FM were the only English podcast that's advertised on the front page of iTunes、um, in South Korea. So if you have like an American iTunes account when you log in in South Korea. It's not going to show the Korean iTunes market. It's going to show the American one. But if you have an iTunes account that you created in South Korea, so probably you know a Korean citizen, they're going to go in.、Um, Most of these podcasts are going to be in Korean language. In fact, just looking in the podcast in general, it's hard to find ones that are not in Korean. But when you do, Korea FM is the only one that's not education related that you'll find pretty much,、um, and we're the only English one in general that is on the front page. But as you go in, you see a wide variety of different types of podcasts that are coming out of South Korea more than I would have thought.、Um, and agreeing with your sentiment there, and then once again,、um, it's pretty much just Korean. Podcasts, except for a couple ones that、uh, are from like EBS or some of the other Korean broadcasters that are teaching a foreign language, and then it, it, it's Korea FM. So at the same time, while there are lots of Korean podcasts on the English side, 
almost none uh, because, you know, Cree FM, this thing that I just run with you and a few other people, we're really able to penetrate the market within the last six months or a year or so. Uh, but if we were doing Korean language things, I mean, I could only imagine how much we'd be getting destroyed by all these Korean language podcasts. Right. It is telling, as you said earlier, that Korean podcasts in the Korean language, they, they even occasionally crack the top 100 in non-Korean iTunes stores. So it's iTunes stores outside of Korea. And that's really incredible when you think about how many Korean speakers are there in the world? I mean, if we're talking native speakers, 50 million in South Korea, uh, maybe, maybe 10, I, it's, this is definitely more, but 10 million outside South Korea and you know, 20 million of the total are in North Korea. So even if but they're th- not listening to iTunes podcasts, probably so <laughs> they are not, they're not at all. So like you, you're not getting a very high number ultimately compared to people. If you compare it to the total people who can speak or just understand Korean compared to the number of people who can understand English. I mean, it's such a tiny fraction that you get Korean podcasts that are cracking the global market, uh, which just tells you how many Koreans must be listening and how much. Yeah, they all have smartphones, all taking public transportation. As we've talked about uh, here on the podcast before, most of the time you're not going to find Koreans reading on the subway. Um, a lot of the times you'll see Koreans reading, um, I forget the, the terminology, but it, it's um, it, it's sort of like a comic book, graphic novel the, no, novel type of thing. Oh, like a webtoon? Yeah, webtoon, something like that. Um, there's a specific Korean term that I've heard time and time again, but I'm not remembering right now. Um, or they're going to be watching TV because cell phones here in Korea They'll pop out a little bit, uh, a little antenna, and they'll be actually watching TV, not streaming video. But I guess people are also listening to podcasts. Yeah, they really are. It's it's one of these projects I've had in mind to start at some point doing a Korean language version of the podcast you mentioned that I interviewed you on a few years ago, because I know a lot of interesting Korean people who are themselves pretty well known. So using the novelty factor of being a Westerner and uh, tapping into this it's just it's an irresistible amount of 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 fervor for podcast listening you find among the korean population so you know as you've tapped into with korea fm and if you did that i think that would just blow everything out of the water especially if it was you and other foreigners speaking korean you know like those very popular i think it's called non-summit the the show where it's non-korean speaking korean oh yeah right yeah if you if you had a podcast version of that or if you were interviewing koreans yourself oh yeah oh yeah goodbye korea fm when colin marshall (laughs) brings that one out but until then well, we'll we'll continue with what we're doing, and, and I want to know more about this podcast specifically. You mentioned it's sponsored by a publisher, but you also wrote in the Korea blog that they don't just discuss the books that the publisher is putting out. So, what type of literature are they discussing, and and what's the tone of the podcast? Uh, are they ripping books apart? Are they just talking about what they enjoyed? Are they just discussing you know parts of the story? Yeah, you know, it's what you would expect from a podcast like this is if it's it's run by a publisher or it's it's sponsored by a publisher and the publisher is in this case uh they're called Wisdom House. If it's if it's sponsored by them, you would expect there to be some limitations they put on like you know, you've got to cover this many of our books or even only our books, but they do make it very public that these are the books that Yi Dongjin chooses himself. They're not really... I mean, they, they will talk about books from Wisdom House, I believe, but they might even talk about disproportionately fewer Wisdom House books than just some podcast nobody is sponsoring would do. And in the, in the, um, 
in the Palgan Chek Tabang, in the cafe, you can buy all the books that are there, and they're not by any means just Wisdom House books. It's purely this Idongjin curated selection, and he is a he's a respected cultural arbiter, you might say. So there is, if Wisdom House can get his approval of something, that's that's a feather in their cap no matter what. They don't necessarily need, I guess, as they're thinking, him to be pushing their books specifically. But as far as the books they do discuss, there's, there is, of course, Korean literature, and I've listened to a lot of the episodes they've done on Korean novels, and they'll bring Korean writers in. Um, the, the panelists themselves are writers. Uh, Lee Dong-jin writes books as well, although not necessarily novels. Uh, and they had, I remember, Kim Yong-ha on, who's a very, very well-known Korean author, and one I've written about on the Korea blog before. But they also talk about a lot of foreign books. Uh, usually, it's a, a foreign book. And the funny thing is, many times, it'll be a foreign writer. They could be American, they could be British, they could be whatever. Uh, it'll be a foreign writer who's very well-known in Korea, but I've never heard of myself, or they might not even be that well-known in their home country. Oh, yeah. That happens all the time. When I lived in Germany, uh, Germans would tell me about, like, these American bands or these Canadian bands, and I'd be like, I have no idea who you're talking about, and they would just be huge. (laughs) Um, And now I know musicians from back home in, like, the Iowa area where I'm from who, like this one guy particularly, um, he has just become this huge hit in Italy and he's gone there and done multiple tours but in the Uh, United uh, States uh. even in Iowa a lot of the people haven't even heard of who he is yeah you get that in all countries and here especially in publishing certain publishers or certain editors or even translators Koreans will they'll just happen upon I guess a writer they like and they'll really they'll see something in that writer they'll push them and they'll become so huge in Korea I mean it happens as well with writers who are famous elsewhere. I wrote a while ago on the Korea blog about Alain de Baton, who is he's, he's well known in many countries. He is a success, but he is especially, and I, this word keeps coming up, disproportionately well known in uh, in Korea, where he that kind of books he writes, which are. He writes essay books, which have kind of an international sensibility. He references philosophical ideas. I've interviewed him once, and I remember him talking a lot about how he likes to take the materials he works with, whether they're novels, uh, whether he's writing a novel, whether he's writing a book more about history or architecture or philosophy, and he likes to slant everything so that or use the materials in a way that helps people, that, that gives them advice or um, that gives them wisdom they feel they can use, which the Korean reading public can't get enough of. But, you know, there will be, I know there's a French science fiction writer who's just got enormous in Korea. I don't even know if he's well known in France or known at all. And on, um, on Balgan Chekbang, they talked a few weeks ago about this, this book of popular history by a guy named Albert Jack. I never heard the name. And I looked him up and he's, I guess uh, he is a big seller, but he's one of these guys who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> like he's, he's known in Korea. He's he might have in, one on the Korean internet. He may. I didn't check uh, wikipedia.co.kr, but uh, (laughs) KR, whatever it is. But yeah, there's some of the books that they cover. Some of the foreign books are by foreigners who are well-known mainly in Korea. Some of them are just books I never would have heard of uh, otherwise, even though I might be expected to know about them. Sometimes, you know, when you're a foreigner, Koreans think you know everything about the West and everything that comes from the West. Um, But they'll talk about books that are just big in general as well, like... Uh, 
Life of Pi. I remember being one episode I re-listened to recently. Not a book I love by any means, but it was fascinating to hear uh, their perspective on it. Because, you know, as you asked, what do they talk about? What's the tone? They, they'll, talk about, they'll talk about some basic elements of the book. They'll talk about the plot. But the, the, the show is long. I mean, you, as I said, you have to get there early. Uh, the show starts at 6 when they record it live. And I find that if you don't get there by 4, you're not going to get a seat. You'll be standing for the whole thing. And you don't want to be standing for the whole thing because it goes to at least to 9.30, probably later. So it's going to be uh, most of your afternoon and much of your evening as well spent there. And that's two episodes, though. You said they record simultaneously? Yeah, but they can spend two episodes um, They can spend two episodes talking about one book. So it's a lot of conversation in total. They could spend, you know, three hours discussing a single book. And it's, it's, uh, it's not like they're just rambling. They're really, they're getting in depth about you know, the themes of the book and how they relate to the lives of the, of the people talking. It'll be Lee Dong-jin and someone else, usually one of his regulars, uh, one of whom is a film critic, another of whom is, a, is kind of an experimental novelist himself. And they'll take it in all kinds of directions to where it just becomes, it becomes a kind, the kind of conversation, you know, I, I, and I think this is the, the appeal of podcasts everywhere, is that the best of them are the ones that have the most fervent followings, that, that generate the most enthusiasm, are the shows that replicate the kind of conversations you want to have. I mean, and there's an upside, there's a positive side and a negative side to that idea. Like, you, you wonder, are podcasts making up for a deficiency in actual communication people are having? I mean, a lot of podcasts, it's just, you know, I used to, I used to joke about, what, what did I call them? I wrote a podcast review column for like six years for the site MaximumFun.org, which they're one of the better known podcast producers in the realm of at least comedy. And I would review a different podcast every week. And I, I think I had this, it wasn't really an acronym, just an abbreviation. It was like T-T-W-G-B-A-C, which was 220-something white guys bullshitting about culture. It could also be 220, 230-something white guys. I mean, it still works. Yeah, that's probably a section of the iTunes podcast store now. Yeah, we got sports, we got that. Yeah, it was dedicated. I mean, it, it's, uh, it was, it's like a dedicated thing. I mean, when podcasting began, that was there were a lot of shows like that, just these gab podcasts by unknown people that became huge because they were the first entrance into this, into this new form entirely. It's too late to start a gab podcast in the English language world that's going to get any traction. But the sensibility lives on where you just you want to hear a stimulating conversation of you know, the likes of which you'd want to have yourself, the likes of which you might not get to participate in. And to me, seeing how seeing the audience that turns up for Palgan Chekbang, or even looking at how big the podcast is. I mean, a lot of people are downloading this much more uh, than the people who are coming, and it's standing room only, as we've said many times, at these live recordings. I mean, it shows people do have this desire to get in on stimulating conversations about books or culture more generally, and it's one of these things you hear. You hear this a lot, uh, this word, yoyu in Korean, which is difficult to translate, but I find the difficult to translate words are always the ones that reveal the most culturally. Yoyu means like not necessarily sufficient time, not necessarily sufficient space. It's like having free bandwidth in your life, to use an internet metaphor, like having the yoyu to do something, to do something you don't need to do, to do something beyond work and survival. It's kind of like leisure, kind of like luxury, but not really. It's more general. 
And it's a hard idea to get across, but I, Koreans in, perhaps in some way feel like they've lacked the yoyu to have the kinds of conversations you'll hear on a show like Balgan Chekbang. And now, you know, the, and it's mostly women who show up to these. The women who turn up are ready to go. They want to hear all this. Living here in Korea for the last couple of years, um, you know, yourself uh, being connected to Korea even before you came here um, just a, a short while ago. Um, when you say that term, but you say, well, it can't really be translated. As soon as you describe it, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think anyone who comes to Korea for more than just like a week or two or even just knows Koreans through work and understands how they assign their time and how they don't have time to do these things that you just mentioned uh, completely makes sense. And I could see why someone would be attracted to that, let alone all of the things that podcasting brings to the table. You know, podcasting can just be radio in podcast form or it can be something that's like three hours long that you would never put on the radio. Um, I remember I met Joe Rogan one time when I was um, the assistant for um, a podcast in uh, the Los Angeles area back in the day when I was uh, living out there. Greg Fitzsimmons, a solid B-level comedian. I was his assistant. Um, and he would have comedians on every week, just his friends, whoever was in the area. Joe Rogan came on one time. And I remember thinking, Joe Rogan, he specifically mentioned that he doesn't like edit his podcast and he doesn't want it to be um, segmented. So when you listen to the Joe Rogan experience, I think is what it's called, it's just like two or three hours of just whatever the hell they talk talk about and it's just long drawn out they'll change topics go on tangents and a lot of the time you know with a radio background that's the exact opposite of what I learned in school um, when you're trying to format something but because everything's formatted that way people can be attracted to that because it's so different and then in South Korea let alone the fact that oh my gosh I can listen to people talking for two or three hours about all of these things that don't have to do with work and don't have to do with all these responsibilities that I have let alone alone, like yourself, many people, as you mentioned, uh, predominantly women can go and they can watch it and they can eat it up. Right. You know, like like hungry people who have been shipwrecked and haven't had a meal yes. for a month. Um, so so finally, one thing I want to ask you about, Colin, is um, you've gone to this uh, many times. You also recently just went to this. Um, you wrote about how even though how you're kind of a regular um, because you are a foreigner, um, Perhaps no matter how many times you go there, people think maybe you don't know what's going on. And I think one time someone had to be like, oh, we're going to start a podcast now. You have to leave. And you kind of had to stress like, oh, no, I'm here for the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's I will say if if you're looking if you're a foreigner here in Korea looking for experiences where you won't be able to rely on English or you, where you'll be among Koreans. Going to a recording of Yi Dong Jin e Palgan Chekbang is, is it's recommendable, certainly, because I, I, I've been the only visible foreigner there every single time. And the only one. The, the only one, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's just one of these situations where, like, on paper, you're like, oh, really? They didn't understand? But then just because of how Korea works and, you know, there are so many times people probably just show up and they don't know what they're doing, even <laughs> though I've been here for three years, that happens to me all the time. That tendency for them to be like, oh, okay, you're, you don't know what you're doing. We're going to push you out, even though you've been there so many times. You have all these competing factors go going in and then it just kind of happens how it happens. Yeah, we, I mean, we should clarify a little bit about what happened here. Uh, you alluded to it, but I write about it in the post. Uh, I, I, I get sort of treated a certain way. Every Westerner in Korea who is visibly foreign 
uh, they they know what it's they know what it is to be treated a certain way, and often it's a favorable way that you enjoy. Sometimes it's a little bit less enjoyable. Uh, but most of the time, uh, to to point out, I think good intentions. Yeah. People are trying to to help you. They are. They just don't realize maybe what you're trying to accomplish. In this case, what happened was, yeah, I, I you know it was the tenth time I'd been or something, and I'm surprised it hadn't happened before. But you know, when when they're gearing up to get the show started, uh, and this is a hilarious thing that I always crack up at. Jin will walk through the room going to over to his DJ box. They call it the DJ DJ box on the wall. Uh, if you, if you get the pun there, uh, it's very obvious. But he uh, he he'll say in Korean, you know, we're going to start in five minutes, and everyone in the room is just in unison. Nah, like they're in a classroom and he's the teacher uh, every single time. But when that happened last time I was there, uh, I arrived, I'd locked my table down. I'd been there about three hours already. Uh, and this, this one of the baristas had come upstairs and she's probably new. Uh, and she came up and she, in English, she sort of, you know, you can, you get that moment where a, a Korean who doesn't speak a lot of English usually, they kind of muster it up. And she's like, oh, excuse me, uh, this floor is closing. And, you know, clearly they were not closing. More and more people were coming up and something was about to go on here. And I, I replied in Korean, like, is there no, is there no podcast? Did the podcast get canceled? And so apologetically, she then switched into Korean and uh, said, oh, you came to listen to the podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And sort of went away but uh, it's few things few things irk me i'm not really an, a getting irked oriented um westerner here or really even a complainer about korea but few things do irk me more than being approached in english by a korean i don't know in public so i i was holding back on actually being angry at her i understand the problem and i do understand that if you gr- if you grow up in korean society and i've heard this from so many friends you're, it's, it's drilled into you. You have to speak English to foreigners, English to foreigners. You see a foreigner, it's English. You've been studying English. So it's not her fault, but it is, as you say. That's a piece of Korean society that you know, it, may, it may well change. Uh, more, more foreigners are learning Korean, as we've discussed on a previous episode. The idea that a foreigner can or, or more importantly, is willing to learn Korean and engage in activities like going to a Korean language book podcast that's often about Korean books and always in Korean, uh, and that's, that's an, an idea that is slow to get traction, but it has more than it ever has, I suppose. I'm trying to do my part by showing up. I think we need to form a team here to make sure that uh, everyone knows that foreigners are also interested in Korean podcasts. <laughs> so you, myself, and maybe like four or five other like obviously not Korean foreigners. Yeah, the more obvious, the better. It, it is fun, and you know, you bring to mind something that I, I found funny. It was just like another one of these moments, because at the end of each show, and I write about this in the post, uh, people have been putting throughout the show, throughout the duration of the taping, people have been putting notes into this red mailbox. Uh, his signature color is, of course, red, as you'll gather by the name of the show in the cafe and the color of his glasses. If you've seen him on TV, he occasionally pops up as a film critic and whatnot. Uh, so they fill the red mailbox with notes to him, and after the taping, he'll read the notes out loud, respond to them, and if he reads your note, you're eligible to take a free book. He'll bring out books that he's giving away afterward, and if you're the lucky winner of the evening, you can take a book, uh, any book you want, from the from the bookstore in the cafe. But one of the notes somebody wrote in, and I think this was through email, you can email them in too, they said, hey, Lee Dong-jin, do you... Do you ever hear you, from from foreign listeners? Like, do you have any foreigners, like Chinese or Japanese people, who listen to the show? And you know, I could just 
feel all of the heads in the in the room turning toward me <laughs> and i didn't want to even and i just i just sort of stared straight ahead like i i try hard not to make a spectacle of myself and i wasn't going to raise my hand being the the one obvious foreigner though not, not chinese nor japanese who was in the room that evening and then, but what was the response what, was he like oh yes all the time or like no never yeah he didn't know <laughs> i mean i think his, his interactions are mostly with koreans uh so it was one of those things like just a question out of curiosity like you know yeah that's a good question yeah oh that's even worse if if he had if he had had a solid answer be like all right move along move along but then if it's like oh i'm not sure are they interested yeah then all the eyes definitely on the colin yeah it's but they, they specifically mentioned other asians so i kind of felt like i was not obligated to respond to that in any way myself so i i was glad for that it wasn't like you know do you do any white americans listen to your show then i would have really felt uh awkward but it's uh, it was it was just one of the funny moments that happens every time and it's never it's never unpleasant it's always just there's something cultural culturally revealing always happens there I've been uh, speaking with Colin Marshall, a soul-based essayist, broadcaster, public speaker, who writes each week on the literature, cinema, current events, and daily life in South Korea for the L.A. Review of Books Korea blog. And I'm very serious, Colin. Let's uh, organize, um, you know, uh, an expat excursion uh, to this live podcast. I'll go, gosh, that's going to be a lot of time. It's like three hours long, and you have to get there like two or three hours early. If one of us reserves a table first, then the others can join later. Okay, there we are. It's coming together it's all coming together this looks good i i really appreciate this i mean i i find the things that you write about interesting obviously uh so that you know i i wanted to do this podcast with you and, and i know you as well before you came to south korea so we have that connection but this was such a real nice thing to learn about um something that i wouldn't have found otherwise just because of my limited korean language skills um so yeah i really appreciate you writing about this this is one of those nice stories that uh, i think can tell a lot about south korea in a very positive way which i'm always happy to be able to do i'm sure korea is happy about that too yeah <laughs> that's right yeah no more i just remember during our live podcast i remember saying something like i'm not trying to be down on korea it's just you know with news and with you know the idea of you know interesting topics to talk about often will kind of curve more to the negative side of the spectrum they will um so yeah it's always nice to be able to balance something out with a very positive story like this where we're both like dang you know, book, podcast, coffee. This sounds like a really good thing. So once again, thank you to Colin. And uh, Colin, we'll talk again soon. I'll talk to you soon.